time for overtime. Stop what you're doing and listen. In the world of sports, it's all about the playmakers in today's headlines, from locals to the pros, with interviews from local standouts and sports all-stars across the country that will have you talking. Here we go, here we go, here we go. And the from coaches to players, sports analysts, and broadcasters who are a part of the action every day. Overtime, now on ESPN 102.3 and AM 1000 KSOO, Sioux Falls Sports Leader. Right back with you, jumping off with our number two on your Wednesday. As always, for those that celebrate, we're over the hump. We're one minute over the hump, downhill into the weekend. Hopefully, another beautiful weekend in the Sioux Falls and surrounding areas as we get you geared up. For the state high school basketball tournaments, we get you geared up for the conclusion of basketball season. The NSIC tournament, March Madness, everything in between is right in front of us in the sports world. And we're excited to have you along for the ride with us as always right here on ESPN Sioux Falls. ESPN 102.3 AM 1000 KSOO. Still to come on today's show, we'll be talking USD Coyote men's basketball with the man tasked with delivering the broadcast and painting that picture in the minds of the radio listeners. John Thayer, play-by-play broadcaster for USD football as well as men's basketball, will jump on the show with us here in about 20 minutes. In about 30, 35 minutes, we'll give you the latest from the National Football League, and we're probably not going to get to it all because there's a lot of news breaking out of Indianapolis this week. Some cuts some re-signing, some franchise tag, the latest on Devontae Adams, will he be moved? And also Caleb Williams is saying that he loves wind, that he loves Walter Payton, he loves Michael Jordan and can get down with some deep dish pizza. Apparently, Caleb Williams does like Chicago after all. Maybe it's a heel turn, maybe not. Maybe the story originally was just fabricated to the tune of Cliff Kingsbury going to Washington, and people thought that that was a shoe-in that Caleb would follow. But as of yesterday, Caleb Williams singing the praises of Chi-Town, the North Side, and everything in between. He might just maybe want to play there after all. We'll get you the latest there on Caleb Williams and a potential marriage with the Chicago Bears come late April from the NFL Draft. We'll round out today's show with the good, the bad, and the ugly. But first, let's dive into your scorecard. NHL Finals from yesterday. Vegas won in Toronto by the final of 6-2. That's win number 33 on the season for the Golden Knights. Other winners yesterday, Detroit over visiting Washington 8-3. Carolina over Minnesota 3-2. And the Wild with the loss are 28-25 and 6 on the season. St. Louis lost to Winnipeg last night on the road 4-2. And Dallas loses in Denver to the Avalanche. Final score, 5-1 Avs. Get it to Jonathan Drouin. Ranton in between the circles. Ranton backdoor. Drouin, they score! Tic-tac-toe, and we're up all night to get lucky. 5-1 the final, audio courtesy of KKSC there. The Avalanche 36-19-5. Other final, Pittsburgh in overtime. Takes care of Vancouver on the road, 4-3. And the Canucks have been pretty darn good this season, 38-16-7, still a superb record, but they've been slumping just a bit. They've lost five of their last six games. Tonight in the NHL, we just got two games, Blue Jackets at Rangers, 6 o'clock on ESPN+, 7.30 on TNT. You can watch Edmonton play host 
to the St. Louis Blues. College hockey coming up this weekend, Friday at 7, Saturday at 6. Alaska Fairbanks rolls into Sioux Falls and Midco Arena to face off with the Augustana Vikings. More info and tickets available, goaugie.com slash hockey tickets. NBA Finals, heck of a finish last night in Cleveland. Cavs out of timeout. Struce into Mobley. Back to Max. Half court shot. Good! Good! He hit it! Cavs win! This place is going crazy! Max Struess with the game winner from just about half court. 38-19, the new record for Cleveland in a 121-119 stunner to take down the Dallas Mavericks. Elsewhere, Golden State takes care of Washington, 123-112 to the final. Pajemski for Kaminga to clay. Catch and shoot, right wing, three, Gucci-zimo. Oh, oh, oh. 21 for Clay Thompson. Doing his thing in the district. Other finals from yesterday, Boston over Philly, 117-99. Minnesota takes care of business against San Antonio. This one was busted open earlier. Spurs gave it a run, but the T-Pups hang on to the win. Their 41st of the season. Now he picks. Malachi Brand, a breakaway slam. It rocks the rim. He rocks target center. He rocks the Spurs. It's a 24-point beatdown late in the third. Minnesota would hang on to a nine-point win at the final whistle, 114-105. to Anthony Edwards, 34 points. Detroit over Chicago yesterday, 105-95. Good for win number nine on the season for the Pistons. And the Milwaukee Bucks finding their footing finally under Doc Rivers. Three in a row for the Bucks. Dane's got it on the near wing now for Milwaukee. Lillard lobs up to Giannis with a reverse dunk. To the freak who finishes with a reverse jam, and the Bucks have their largest lead of 38 points now. Damian Lillard, 23 points, nine rebounds, and seven assists, and the Bucks are three and zero since the All Star break. Other final to take note of: OKC over Houston last night, 112 to 95. Thunder remain tied with the Timberwolves atop the Western Conference with identical records of 41 and 17. Tonight in the NBA, we got five games to tell you about. Pelicans at Pacers leads off the coverage 6:30 on ESPN. Grizzlies at Timberwolves is a 7 o'clock start time. Also a 7 o'clock start from Chicago. Bulls play host to the aforementioned Cleveland Cavaliers. 8 o'clock jump from Denver as the Nuggets play host to Sacramento. And it's an L.A. kind of night. Lakers at the Clippers, 9 o'clock on ESPN. Men's basketball finals. Top-rated Houston was in play, and they held serve against visiting Cincinnati, winning by 8 over the Bearcats, 67-59. to Elsewhere, BYU came to play last night in Lawrence, taking down the seventh-rated Jayhawks. Straight away, Dallin Hall. This game's been outstanding. Waterman three left side. That's oh! good! <laughs> Noah Waterman for three! Splish splash! BYU picks up the win, 76-68 the final. That is loss number seven. On the season for Bill Self and the Jayhawks, Kansas now 21-7. and Other finals from Big Ten play, Wisconsin lost in Bloomington to Indiana last night, 74-70. And Iowa takes care of business on their home floor against the Penn State Nittany Lions. Iowa wins last night, 90-81. to Tonight in men's basketball, we got a slew of big games to tell you about. Eighth-rated Iowa State is home to Oklahoma at 7 o'clock on ESPN+. Twelfth-rated Creighton at 8 o'clock on Fox Sports 1 plays host to Seton Hall. 
football and Minnesota on the road at Illinois, 8 o'clock jump time on the Big Ten Network. The NSIC tournament also gets going tonight. And for the men's side of things, USF plays host to Bemidji State tonight at 6 o'clock. Winner of that one faces off with top seed Mankato Saturday at 11 o'clock at the NSIC tournament from the Sanford Pentagon. Augustana is home to Wayne State at 6 o'clock as well. Winner faces second seed Duluth Saturday at 1.30 from the Pentagon. Women's basketball finals. Indiana beats up on Northwestern 84-64 and Creighton wins big against Xavier 99-57. Blue Jays are 23-4 on the season. Tonight in women's hoops, third-rated Texas at 20th ranked Oklahoma in Norman. 6 o'clock jump time on ESPN+. Plus. Iowa State at K-State, 6.30 on ESPN+. Plus. And Caitlin Clark and the 6th rated Iowa Hawkeyes visit the Twin Cities and Minnesota tonight, 8 o'clock on Peacock. NSIC tournament concerning our local teams. USF is at Duluth tonight, 6 o'clock. Winner moves on to the Pentagon to face Concordia St. Paul Sunday at 7. Augustana with a tough test at Southwest Minnesota State, 7.30 jump time tonight. Winner faces off with the four-seed Northern State Sunday at 4.30. NFL draft still two months away, April 25th through the 27th in Detroit, but we're still talking about it. Also still talking about those Chicago Bears what they should do in the event of drafting Caleb Williams. Should they trade Justin Fields? Should they hang on to the veteran quarterback? Here's Mel Kuyper Jr. and his thoughts on the matter. To me, it's a tough call for Ryan Poles. If you get blown away by an offer, it's going to be tough not to take it. I get that. Will he be blown away? Will he? If he's not, then obviously you sit there and say, I'm taking Caleb Williams because if it's a push, in my mind, guys, if it's a push, you draft Caleb Williams, you reset the clock, and you trade Justin Fields, get a two and a four, recoup the two you lost from Montez, which was a great trade for Ryan Poles, and you move forward. So if you get blown away by an offer, then I think you got to listen to it. More from Mel Kuyper Jr. as to the number two and number three ranked quarterbacks for him in the draft upcoming. Predictably, he's got Caleb Williams number one, but he's got an ascending player as his number two. It's Jaden Daniels. It's because of the momentum, and the year he had was spectacular, and, and Drake didn't have that great year, and Drake had three games, Virginia, NC State, and Clemson, that were, as I say, head-scratchers. There were throws that you got to make. He didn't. He couldn't excuse those throws away, but Jaden comes in with momentum. He did everything perfectly. He, he, he dominated the Alabama Crimson Tide defense two years in a row. Nick Saban's defense had no answer for Jaden Daniels, so I think there's a lot to love about Jaden. That's Mel Kuyper Jr. Lastly here, we got all sorts of audio from the NFL Combine yesterday, earlier in the week, from general managers and head coaches. The Denver Broncos are going to release Russell Wilson. It feels like a formality at this point. I would be blown away if Russell Wilson does not get released, but here's head coach Sean Payton on the decision looming out there in Denver. There's a couple factors here. You know, obviously the cap projections came out. Um, we're further down the road with the draft class. Uh, obviously the pro free agents <clears throat> so i would i would anticipate it being uh, you know within the next two weeks interesting wording there for the denver broncos sean payton the commentary there for the green bay packers for the denver broncos and for the teams that have these guys that they feel like they're shoe-ins to cut. It breaks my heart to think of David Bakhtiari playing anywhere else other than Green Bay. I'd love for the Packers to talk to him about a restructure, and it might happen that way. They might cut him and then welcome him back on a restructure, kind of like they did with A.J. Hawk way back in the day. 
But I feel like it's a formality at this point. You got Green Bay will not have David Bakhtiari back at his current number. He can either get out of town, restructure, or maybe test the open market and come back. We'll wait and see. And a lot depends on the physical on the knee of David Bakhtiari moving forward. Should he get a deal elsewhere outside of Green Bay? The Packers know his body and his performance better than anybody. But again, with Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos, feels very similar. They don't want to go out right and say, yes, he's going to be available. You don't want to give anyone an edge as far as information goes in the National Football League. But I would be blown away and would eat my words. I might eat this piece of paper if Russell Wilson does not get cut by the Denver Broncos within the next couple of weeks. That's your scorecard. Again, the NFL draft still months away, but we're going to heat it up with free agency in due time, NFL Combine, NFL Pro Days from the respective universities. Can't wait for all that action ahead from the National Football League. We still got our eye on college basketball, though, as it's tournament time as of today for the Augustana men and women. Augustana men's basketball team plays host to Wayne State tonight at 6 o'clock inside the Elman Center. Augustana is the seventh seed in this year's tournament, and they're playing their best basketball of the season. Wayne State's won three in a row. They're 16-13 and 13 overall, and they've uh, bounced back with wins over Crookston, Mary, and Northern State in their last three games. As for the Augustana Vikings and head coach Tom Billiter, they finished their slate holding a 13-9 record after starting the league at 1-4. And over the last 14 games within the league, Augie is 11-3 to compile the overall record of 18-10 on the season. Isaac Fink coming off his second NSIC Player of the Week honor, and he's playing the best basketball of his career, averaging 36 points over the last pair of games and also averaged 10 rebounds over those last two games as well. Caden Kirkman coming on strong. Jaden Graves playing well. Armin Lewis also giving him a run for the team lead in assists as the freshman has recorded 97 assists, an average of three and a half a game. And that game tonight, 6 o'clock from the Elman Center. More info, ticketing information, goaugie.com. Moving forward with your Reliabank headlines of the day, let's talk Minnesota Twins. Byron Buxton did something yesterday that he hasn't done in over 550 days, and that's patrolling center field for his Minnesota Twins. Healthy after two consecutive seasons ended with knee surgeries, the 2022 All-Star made his spring training debut at bat and out in center field against the Phillies yesterday. Aside from a seven-inning appearance at AAA St. Paul on a rehab assignment last summer, Buxton hadn't played center field since injuring himself while diving for a ball back in August of 2022. 30-year-old has not appeared in 100 games in a season since 2017 when he played 140. And the second overall pick back in the 2012 amateur draft made his major league debut back in 2015 and has not made it through a full season without landing on the injured list. But Buxton feeling good, looking good, and things are looking good for the Minnesota Twins down in spring training. If all goes well for the Cincinnati Bengals this year, they won't have to rely on Jake Browning for much, but they did take care of ensuring that he'll be playing for them as of today. The team announced that they've tendered Browning as well as their long snapper to contracts as exclusive rights. Free agents, neither player will be able to talk to other teams, so the tender ensures that they'll be around when the team gets back to work. Browning took over for injured Bengals starter Joe Burrow this past season, tossing 12 touchdowns to seven interceptions after seven starts for the former Minnesota Vikings signal caller Jake Browning. And uh, on the other side of things, Browning will be back with his team. Marquez Valdez-Scantling will not 
be back with his. He's going to be a free agent as the Kansas City Chiefs announced this morning that they're releasing the veteran wide receiver. That news courtesy of Jeremy Fowler of ESPN. Valdez Scantling had 21 catches for 315 yards and a touchdown in 16 games this year, but had eight receptions for a buck 28 and a touchdown in the four postseason games. Fifth round pick back in 2018 to the Green Bay Packers. Valdez Scantling spent the last two seasons with Kansas City signing a big deal there. It did didn't amount to much in Kansas City. Certainly some big moments, big touchdown grabs for MVS, but it didn't amount to what they were looking for in the replacement of Tyreek Hill. I don't think a lot of people realistically thought that MVS could fill in and be even half of what Tyreek Hill was, but certainly a disappointment there in Kansas City. He'll have an opportunity to catch on elsewhere with another free agent bid this offseason. With that uh, release, by the way, the Chiefs will save $12 million against the salary cap this season. Yesterday on the show, we told you Chris Paul would make his return for the Golden State Warriors and return he did. Pointed twice during a possession late in the third quarter of Tuesday's win over to the Washington Wizards, directing his teammates where to go. In response, Clay Thompson slowly walked to the left side of the three-point arc while Jonathan Kaminga quickly came in to set a screen. As the defenders came off the screen, they both stuck with Thompson on the perimeter, leaving a wide open lane for Kaminga. Paul lobbed the ball up for the third-year forward who completed the alley-oop. That's what Chris does. Warriors head coach Steve Kerr said he gets you organized, gets you good looks. All season long, he's been such a high performer. All of our best lineups, it seems like he's in them. In his first game back after missing 20, his past 21 games with a fracture of his left hand that required surgery, Paul provided the Warriors with more of a steadying presence in their second unit. Paul finished last night with nine points, six assists, four rebounds, and four steals, as well as a plus 17 net rating. Chris Paul is not who he was in the past right now. There's no doubt about that. He's a shadow of his former self, but he's still pretty darn good and might hitch his wagon to a pretty darn good team that can make a deep run in the West as Golden State playing good basketball, and they're getting healthy at the right time as well. Chris Paul, the latest returner to the lineup, and that was a big game last night. Big win for Golden State, that final in D.C. over Washington, 123-112. to Bad news followed by some good news here. Toronto Blue Jays reliever Eric Swanson has left spring training to tend to his four-year-old son, Toby, who was struck by a car and airlifted to a hospital on Sunday in Clearwater, Florida. Blue Jays manager John Schneider made the announcement about the boy's injury at the team's complex in nearby Dunedin. Thanks to the incredible work from the Clearwater first responders, Toby is on the road to recovery and is surrounded by his family. Schneider said Swanson will be away from camp for a while. That's the quote. Family comes first. Our love, support, and prayers are with Eric Madison, Toby, and the entire Swanson family. Hang in there, Toby. We're all thinking of you today. Again, Toby Swanson, the son of Blue Jays reliever Eric Swanson, recovering after being struck by a car and having to be airlifted to a hospital just this past weekend. Updates from the NBA to round out your Bank headlines of the day. Portland Trailblazers center DeAndre Ayton exited last night's loss to the Heat because of a sprained right hand. Coach Chauncey Billups said that x-rays on Ayton's hand did come back negative after he was involved in a collision with Miami's Kevin Love in the first quarter and fell hard to the floor. Good news there. Ayton ended up playing 19 minutes in the first half and didn't return to the court for the beginning of the third. Had 12 points and 10 rebounds before departing the contest. X-rays negative on his hand and the LA Clippers will take on the Lakers tonight without 
Injured all-star Paul George. George will miss his second straight game due to soreness in his left knee. Clippers coach Ty Lue said George would not practice today and would not be available against the Lakers tonight. He's hurt, Lue said when he asked why George wasn't playing. George was on the floor getting shots up at the practice facility before the team had its film session and practice yesterday. The all-star will miss consecutive games, played 36 and 37 minutes in back-to-back games against Oklahoma City and Memphis last week, but will be out tonight for that showdown out in Los Angeles. When we come back, it's time to talk USD men's basketball. Play-by-play broadcaster John Thayer dials us up next on the ESPN Hotline. Don't go anywhere. We move right along on this Wednesday edition of Overtime next, right here on ESPN 102.3 AM 1000 KSOO. Is a moment of local college and pro sports action. Stay connected and download the app for overtime on ESPN 102.3 and AM 1000 KSOO. It's the Wednesday edition of Overtime right here on ESPN 102.3 AM 1000 KSOO. We've got all eyes on the Yotes, all eyes on the Jacks ahead of the Summit League Tournament. Next Friday through Tuesday here at the Denny Sanford Premier Center in Sioux Falls. Here to break down USD Coyote men's basketball is the guy that's got his eyes on the team constantly describing and painting the picture over the radio call. ESPN, excuse me, USD play-by-play broadcaster John Thayer joins us now at the ESPN hotline. John, welcome back to the show. How you doing? Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I'm great. How are, how are things in Sioux Falls? You staying warm out there or what? Hey, we are getting warm. Yesterday was uh, back to winter. Monday was great. Today's <laughs> a little bit in between. Tomorrow and the weekend's looking fantastic. We're all heating up, uh, getting ready for the Summit League tournament. Uh, before we talk about that, I wanted to talk to you and gauge the overall excitement around the football program about the opportunity that Miles Harden and others have this week from Indianapolis. Miles Harden is the lone USD coyote that got invited to the Combine. Talk about the young man, what he does well, and the opportunity ahead of him this week to prove himself in front of those scouts and front office personnel in Indy. Yeah, I think, first of all, it's a great thing for the program, right? Uh, South Dakota, I don't believe, has really had, ever had anybody go to the dra- NFL draft combine. So this is really cool. And uh, as the Yotes are coming off of a great football season where they won more games at this level than they ever have, they went uh, you know, into the playoffs, they had two home playoff games. They've never done that before. So just continuing to knock down some of these, uh, these obstacles and hurdles and milestones and setting them higher. And that leads us to Miles Harden. What, what an incredible, um, not only a football player, but just a, a great individual that he has been uh, part of the program. Super respectful guy, um, competes really, really hard. He, he's one of the things that he worked on throughout his career was becoming more vocal to be that leader. You know, uh, by the time he was done at USD, I mean, They've got a lot of young guys, and he's got to be one of the guys that, that's kind of the, the outspoken leader, if you will, and a guy who battled injuries. You know, he only played half of the season uh, the last couple of years. This past season, obviously, he finally played the whole season, but just dealt with a lot of injuries. And through that, he kept his eye on uh, the prize and, and knew what he had to do to keep getting better. And so uh, I'm really excited to see kind of where he stacked up. I think he had a really good showing at the – uh, East-West Shrine game and um, really kind of helped his name, if you will. Um, but now he gets to go to the Combine, and this is where it really happens for him. And so I know he's been uh, working his rear end off and 
it'll be fun to see how, how things go for him in Indy. Very fun season for USD Coyote football. Before we transition to basketball, I want to ask you about Chris Strebler. Obviously, he inked a deal up with Winnipeg again for the CFL. Any chance that you've been to a game in the past? And if not, you can sign me up for a road trip uh, to our north to Winnipeg this season. You got to go up and see Strebler at any point? Man, I would love to. Uh, he's such a good dude. He came out and helped us with our broadcast when we were at Missouri. Uh, flew up from Arizona just to join us for the broadcast. And he just loves being around. USC like he really appreciates you know he, he was at Minnesota they told him he couldn't be a quarterback USC brought him in with open arms and he embraced it so anytime he comes back to the area he stops in checks on people if he's at a game uh, basketball or football he talks to a lot of people he's just a really good dude I'm really excited to see him back in Winnipeg I've never been to a, a CFL game it has been on my list of things to do and you know what that's not a terrible drive to go to Winnipeg yeah. so uh uh, if we can find an open weekend, it, it might be. Now, I can't decide. For you got to help me with this. Do we go in the summer where you're not going to have to deal with travel issues, or do you wait until it's true Canadian Football League weather and you got to be dressed like an Eskimo to enjoy it a little bit? Mm, that's a tough one for me, man. My passport is newly minted after last year, so I'm good to go. If you make any plans, you keep me in the loop. I'd love to go up to Winnipeg. Not too far of a drive. Uh, just about due north of Fargo, if I'm not mistaken, as well. So, Chris Trevler back with the team as the quarterback. But I don't know. You can sign me up for summer football because that's the only time when it appears that Canada's really nice. But I'm one of those purists in football as well that the elements don't bother me. You can drink a few more beers and get used to it, get that beer coat going. I'm all game for football no matter where it is, Canada, USA, or otherwise, as we're joined by play-by-play broadcaster John Thayer here on Overtime. Let's talk basketball. That's the centerpiece and the focus right now. Yotes are 11-18, and 4-10 in the conference, but won their last game against Oral Roberts 77-76. What do you take away from the recent action for the Yotes on the hardwood? Yeah, nobody likes to keep hearing that this team feels like it's close, right? That it's getting better. But when you look at the last five games, they're two and three in that stretch. And in four of those games, they actually outshot the opponent. Uh, they just couldn't quite find ways to win. You know, a three-point loss in Brookings, a three-point loss in, at St. Thomas. They had that four-point loss to Kansas City. They were within a possession or two against Omaha in the final minute down at their place. So, I mean, they have done a lot of good things. Uh, they've gotten a lot better throughout the course of the year. And when you look at this team, it's, it's made up of a group of guys either playing in their first year of Division One basketball or guys who maybe were at other schools that didn't see as much time as what they're seeing now. So I think this team's still learning a lot about how to win basketball games. And that's why you see them losing in some of these close games, but they have been able to sneak a few out and, you know, they had a couple that they were really close this year. And, and uh, <laughs> we're talking about one or two plays being the difference of them, you know, fighting to get out of that play-in game on Friday of the Summit League tournament to maybe being in the in the Sunday matchup. So I think it's a team that's really, really close. They only have one senior, Lahat Chun. He'll be honored tomorrow in the basketball game against uh, North Dakota State in our final home game of the season. Uh, certainly has been a, uh, a great addition to this team, but We've seen a lot of good things out of this group. They're just still trying to find ways to win. And these guys still believe that they can win a handful of basketball games here over the next couple of weeks. 
We're talking with USD play-by-play broadcaster John Thayer here on the Wednesday edition of Overtime. Definitely a different team for USD than last year. A lot of uh, newcomers, a lot of guys off the team from last season. 11-18, and 4-10 the record uh, within the conference. When it comes to your vantage point, John, obviously broadcaster, you get access to all the numbers. You can see the trends. You can see the streaks. You can see all sorts of things going on during the game. If you had to quantify a few discernible strengths and weaknesses right now with this team, what would you say? Yeah, I would say the, the weakness is easy to point out. Or the, I, I don't even know weakness or just what has been the issue for this team has been they're giving up too many second-chance points, but they're giving up too many offensive rebounds. And the other one is they're giving up way too many points off turnovers. When they take care of the basketball, they've got really good chances in these games. I mean, Kansas City, they lose by four. I think they had 25 turnovers in that game. And, and it's that, you know, you can't make those mistakes in this league. Things are too tight in this league to make those kind of mistakes. So second chance points and points off turnovers, if they clean those two things up, they're going to have a chance to, to win any game that they're in over the next couple of weeks. Um, one of their strengths is, is when they get going, this team can really push the ball. I, I like that their guards get downhill. They get into the lane. They can really create opportunities on the inside. I think that's been a, a big reason why they've had chances in some of these games. USD play-by-play broadcaster John Thayer is our guest here. Wednesday edition of Overtime. Remainder of the regular season schedule. You mentioned senior night Thursday at 7. Regular season finale is up in Grand Forks Saturday against UND. That is a 1 o'clock start time. If you're looking for a few things to see to inspire some confidence heading into the Summit League tournament over these past couple games, what are you looking for? Is it about the, the offensive rebounds, the defensive rebounds, or something else for you? Well, I think when you look at, at these two matchups, they have to build their confidence on the inside. North Dakota State, their big man, Andrew Morgan, is playing exceptionally well right now. And the Coyotes beat them to start the Summit League schedule, right? And that was back up in Fargo, way back in December. This is a team that plays much better this time of year. Dave Richmond, go back and look at his record in February and March. He always has it figured out for his group uh, this time of year. So that's going to be a really hard one tomorrow, but they've really got to um, – they got their work cut out for them on the inside. And then it's the same thing at North Dakota. You know, North Dakota, depending on what happens tomorrow night, they might be playing for the regular season title in the Summit League on Saturday. When South Dakota played them in Vermillion, they gave up seven offensive rebounds to Amar Kalujevic, uh, and they just can't do that. So you've got to be able to box out on the inside. you got to battle on the inside. And I think those uh, these two games are really going to test the inside presence. How much has it gotten better throughout the course of the year? If it has gotten better, USC has a real chance to win these two games and, and be on a three-game win streak going into the Summit League tournament. But if it hasn't gotten better, it's going to be a real challenge. Senior night coming up tomorrow night, 7 o'clock from the Sanford Coyote Sports Center. As always, you can listen to John on the call, KVHT 106.3, or on that handy-dandy free Varsity Network app. Can't speak glowingly enough about that great app. John, until next time, appreciate the insight. We'll look forward to bump into you here in Sioux Falls coming up next week. I look forward to it, Bert. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it. That's play-by-play broadcaster John Thayer of USD Coyote Football and Men's Basketball joining us on the ESPN Hotline. Remaining schedule, home for senior night tomorrow at 7, Saturday 1 o'clock up in Grand Forks against North Dakota, and then the Summit League tournament starts officially a week from Friday and runs 
through March the 12th, which is Championship Tuesday for the Summit League Tournament here at the Denny Sanford Premier Center. Great stuff there from USD play-by-play broadcaster John Thayer. And with that, it tunes us up very nicely to transition to the latest from the National Football League coming up next. We talked about Miles Harden. He'll be competing out there at the NFL Combine, showing his stuff to the front office personnel, the scouts, the GMs, and the head coaches looking to prove that he is an NFL caliber player and NFL draft worthy. We'll talk about other things as well in the National Football League, including Caleb Williams, Devontae Adams, and everything in between coming up next on this Wednesday edition of Overtime. It's so convenient. Go download the free app now. This is ESPN 102.3 and AM 1000 KSOO, Sioux Falls Sports Leader. Midway through hour number two here on the Wednesday edition of Overtime. Appreciate you tuning us in as always on ESPN Sioux Falls. Miss any of the show? Podcast links are available always at ESPNSiouxFalls.com or on the free ESPN Sioux Falls app, just like I put up at ESPNSiouxFalls.com yesterday as the Minnesota Vikings are not going to trade Justin Jefferson. The Las Vegas Raiders are not going to trade what I view as the second-best receiver in the National Football League in Devontae Adams. Attention to any NFL general manager thinking of inquiring on the availability of the three-time first-team All-Pro Devontae Adams. He is a Raider. New Raiders general manager Tom Telesco said at the Combine on Tuesday with those words, Telesco eventually essentially shut down the prospect of entertaining trade talks for the six-time Pro Bowler. Adams himself appeared to be bullish on his future with the Raiders when he told ESPN during Super Bowl week in Las Vegas that it was, quote, definitely exciting to work again with new Raiders offense coordinator Luke Getze, with whom he broke into the NFL in 2014 with the Green Bay Packers. He's the type of coach that's open-minded. He's going to be open to hearing things from the veteran players that know how this thing works works in the best way to do things. Adams, who had 103 catches last season, but his lowest receiving yards per catch with 11.1 since 2015 and as few as touchdown catches since 2019 when he played in just 12 games. Getzey was an offensive quality control coach for the Packers during Adams' rookie season in 2014 and his second season in 2015 before becoming their receivers coach the following two years, going on to Mississippi State, returning to the Packers as quarterbacks coach, and then on to Chicago as the offensive coordinator after getting let go after just one season. Tom Telesco, the new GM, hired coach Antonio Pierce, also said he did not quote-unquote anticipate using the franchise tag this offseason. Of course, the only player that makes a ton of sense for the tag for the Raiders would be running back Josh Jacobs. But the Raiders, like so many other teams in the NFL that have impending big-name free agent running backs, aren't going to be willing to pony up the 10 to 12 to $14 million needed to franchise tag the player. They'd rather get him on a long-term deal with less value year over year. One player that's now on the open market less than one year after trading 
For tight end Jonu Smith, the Atlanta Falcons decided to release their productive tight end as of yesterday afternoon. Falcons moved on from Smith after he posted career highs in catches and yards. In Atlanta's offense under former head coach Arthur Smith last season, there had been a familiarity between Arthur Smith and Jonu Smith from their mutual time in Tennessee together from 2017 to 2020. By cutting the veteran tight end, the Falcons will save $6.5 million against the cap, according to the roster manager system while also carrying a dead cap charge of two and a half million dollars this season. Jonu Smith figures to be one of the top tight ends available in free agency upcoming this offseason. The Kansas City Chiefs have also informed one of their top free agents that they're planning on bringing him back but for how long? They're prepared to use the franchise tag and are open to consummating a trade if no long-term deal is reached with veteran cornerback Legereus Sneed. Sneed is agreeable to the scenario, which gives him a chance to talk with other teams while the Chiefs remain in play for his services for the upcoming season. Pending league approval, a new contract for Sneed, a free agent could be worked out as part of a trade to kick in at the start of the new league year. The source stressed that a trade is very much on the table. The Chiefs are expected to use the non-exclusive franchise tag, which would cost roughly $19 million for next season. And earlier in the day yesterday, Chiefs GM Brett Feach said at the scouting combine in Indy that he was prepared to use the franchise tag on Snead or defensive tackle Chris Jones if the team can't get them both re-signed by the start of free agency next month. The Kansas City Chiefs, along with several other uh, salary cap needy NFL teams, got a big break by the more than projected increase of the NFL salary cap. $255 million is the new NFL salary cap. It is the highest ever year-over-year increase in the history of the league and the NFL's announcement last week that the salary cap was welcome news to the general manager of the team that's currently the most over the salary cap. That is the Buffalo Bills general manager Brandon Bean, whose team is currently about $40 million over the 2024 cap with a couple weeks to get under. Said on Pro Football Talk Live that it's a huge relief that the cap topped $255 million. He was quoted as saying, again, article from Pro Football Talk at NBCSports.com, our first challenge is getting our cap squared away and getting under. I was excited to see it at 255 versus 245. We thought it would be mid-240s. We're actually very conservative and counting on a little lower. When I heard it was going to be closer to 250 to 240, I thought this is good. Maybe we'll be 248. Pops out 255, and it saves the day. Maybe it's one less guy you've got to release or restructure and for those of you out there like myself that have been critical of the Buffalo Bills as far as their future playoff window future Super Bowl window that just leaves the door a little bit ajar for them to make enough moves in both retention and going out and getting people in free agency to keep that window open behind one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL's play in quarterback Josh Allen perhaps one of the guys that'll soon be one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL could be Caleb Williams, former USC quarterback Caleb Williams, deeply admires Michael Jordan. And Walter Payton also says he loves deep dish pizza and told ESPN he would be, quote-unquote, excited 
if the Chicago Bears take him number one overall in the upcoming NFL draft. Entering the combine, Williams is the favorite to be the top pick in late April. In his first public comment since declaring for the draft in January, Williams spoke in depth about the Bears, unveiled his combine plan, and reflected on a journey to the NFL that is nearing a culmination. This is what I've been preparing for my whole life. Since I was 10 or 11, this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. At that age until now, it basically feels like your whole life. I'm excited. I'm ready to get back on a football team around my teammates and brothers, my new brothers now. William spent much of the interview with ESPN discussing the Chicago Bears, who he has long been linked to given that they hold the number one overall pick. If I get drafted by the Bears, I'll be excited, William said. If they trade the pick and I get drafted by someone else, I'm just as excited. Speaking about Chicago, they have a talented team, a talented offense and defense for anyone to be in that situation. I think they'd be excited. This is interesting. Because there's no definitive proof, there's no definitive reporting out there that indicated that Caleb Williams would not play for the Bears. Simply rumors and simply hearsay at this point. But interesting comments because they come less than a week following the commentary from Justin Fields on the podcast of the St. Brown Brothers where he said... He prefers LeBron James to Michael Jordan, and that is a big no-no in Chicago. And Caleb Williams warming up to the Windy City, warming up to the folks that love the deep dish pizza, Walter Payton, Michael Jordan. Caleb Williams apparently will be excited if he gets drafted by the Chicago Bears, despite rumors and other to the contrary earlier on this offseason and back a little ways as well. I think this is more a target at the Arizona Cardinals than anyone else. Middle of last season, there were some rumblings about Caleb Williams' father, maybe Caleb Williams' camp, not being super excited about the prospects for playing for certain NFL franchises if they were to hold the number one overall pick. Turns out it's the Chicago Bears, and maybe Caleb Williams isn't against it after all. We'll wait and see. I still think he's a shoe into the Bears at number one for now, although my opinion has changed. If you asked me a month ago, I thought Justin Fields had done enough. But right now, the tea leaves are telling me, the tea leaves are reading exactly what I think right now, and that is that the Chicago Bears will utilize the number one pick and take Caleb Williams from USC. That's the latest from the National Football League. When we come back, we put a wrap on this Wednesday edition of Overtime by getting you the latest from the good, the bad, and the ugly here on the Wednesday edition of Overtime. College hoops and NBA basketball, the NFL and Major League Baseball. It's all here on ESPN 102.3 and AM 1000 KSOO, Sioux Falls Sports Leader. Right back with you. It is the Wednesday edition of Overtime right here on your Sioux Falls Sports Leader. Tomorrow on the show, Dustin Baker will join us for the entirety of our number one. We'll break down the Minnesota Vikings, check in on the quarterback situation upcoming for the NFL Draft, the latest on Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, and everything you need to know week after week after week. As a Minnesota Vikings fan, Dustin Baker of Vikings Territory hops in the studio from 11 to noon tomorrow on the show. We round out this Wednesday edition, though, now with the latest in the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> 
many days there are those who can be called a problem child. You know the ones. They have a tendency to display an ugly side. They have their whining moments. Some display an outright bad side of themselves. And then there are those who stand out in a good way. Well, here they are. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Not just good news, but great news to start it off for Dodgers fans. It was far from a sellout crowd, but those who attended Shohei Otani's spring debut with the Dodgers yesterday were rewarded in his final at bat as Otani launched a two-run homer into the left field stands, earning the loudest cheers of the day. Otani's blast came in the bottom of the fifth on a 3-2 pitch from Chicago White Sox right-hander Dominic Leone. Finished one for three, striking out and grounding into a double play in his first two other at-bats. I thought I hit it a little too high initially, but the Arizona weather factored in just a little bit. I felt better each time I came up. It's trending toward the right direction. Good news to start out the good, the bad, the ugly for Shohei Otani. Andrew Cogliano and Nathan McKinnon scored 49 seconds apart to help the Colorado Avalanche pull away in the second period yesterday. Alexander Georgiev stopped 33 shots and the Avs cruised to a 5-1 win over the Dallas Stars last night. McKinnon also had an assist to give him at least a point in all 29 home games this season. It is the longest home point streak since Mario Lemieux's 31-game streak back in 1995 and into 1996. He was incredible. Tonight, Colorado coach Jared Bednar said of McKinnon, it was a big night for Kale McCarr as well, who had an assist on McKinnon's goal to become the highest scoring defenseman in franchise history. His 308th career point broke a tie with Tyson Berry. Good season thus far for the Colorado Avalanche, them and their fans hoping for a deep run in the Stanley Cup playoffs this season. Very ugly night again in men's college hoops. First and foremost, the Wisconsin and Indiana men's basketball game was delayed midway through the second half last night after a fire alarm went off within Assembly Hall, prompting the arena to be evacuated. The alarm sounded just 25 seconds after John Blackwell of Wisconsin made back-to-back layups for the Badgers, tying the game at 54 with 10 minutes to go. Fans began filing back into Assembly Hall after 20 minutes, and later it was announced the alarm went off in the balcony, and the university and arena followed state law by evacuating the premises. Indiana went on to win last night 74-70, to and on to the ugly Dylan Disu scored 21 points. Max Acemith, that's a familiar name, added 18. And Texas wrote a big first half to an eventual win over Texas Tech on Tuesday night in a game that included a significant delay after fans threw objects onto the floor. Midway through the second half, Texas's Brock Cunningham delivered a hard check to Darian Williams, knocking the Red Raiders player out of bounds. While officials were reviewing the play, objects including water bottles were thrown onto the floor and security could be seen escorting a few fans out of the arena. Cunningham was ejected for a flagrant foul too, and Texas Tech was giving, given an administrative technical for the fans' behavior last night. That announcement resulted in more objects being thrown. Texas Tech head coach Grant McCaslin took the microphone to implore the crowd to stop last night. Extremely ugly situations lately for not only the NBA, but college basketball, court storming, throwing objects, bringing players' safety into question. You already got an ugly situation on the court. You don't need to contribute in it from the stands either. Very bad look last night in Lubbock for Texas Tech and their fans. That's the show. We'll talk to you tomorrow, 11 to 1. Appreciate you tuning us in, as always, right here 
on ESPN Sioux Falls.